Welcome to the Security Operative Podcast. This is Tony O'Brien of Security Operative Consultancy Services, here to share with you my perspectives from the world of security and risk management. Enjoy the episode. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode number 23 of Diary of a Security Consultant. Tony O'Brien here from Security Operative Consultancy Services again. Uh, And this week, I want to talk to you uh, about an interesting subject, what I think is an interesting subject, and one that security professionals or anybody who considers themselves a professional acting in the security industry should be both aware of and should be uh, researching and looking into. And that is the subject of misinformation or disinformation and the differences between the two and why we, I believe we as a, as a profession have a duty to be better than that. So we'll start off with uh, where it's come from and, and why I'm talking about this week, I suppose. Uh, I'm recording this today on 3rd of November. I'm skipped ahead a little bit. Uh, it's election day uh, in the States. And... I suppose the big issue around that is going to be this fake news or misinformation or disinformation, but it's happening the world over with lots and lots of things. Um, I re-released one of my older articles during the week. Um, it's, it's only maybe three or four months old. It was on the mask wearing regulations and legislation that was brought in in Ireland uh, in August of this year. And immediately underneath it, I suppose, uh, was a comment as soon as I released his guidance for security officers on, on exactly what the law says and how it could be applied and how you may choose to apply it depending on your store's policy or your venue's policy. And immediately underneath it was a comment that said, uh, which was thankfully somebody has responded to sensibly, but the comment basically said, your article is rubbish and the pandemic is a scam and I'm, uh, I work for the government and I'm spreading government propaganda with my articles, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that I was spreading misinformation or disinformation. So firstly, let's look at the two of the misinformation and disinformation in the context of some other, I suppose, stories that have been in the newspapers and on the news very recently, if you're the type of person who reads the newspapers or the news, I suppose, which I'm not. Um, so misinformation, first of all. So misinformation is false or misleading information put out into the public domain, just put out there. It doesn't have a deliberate attempt behind it. It has false or misleading information in it in order to credit or discredit a person's individual bias with writing the story. So I will write a story or a article or a video will be produced that will be produced with my bias. That information will have misleading information in it, but it's not meant to deliberately mislead. It's an honest belief that this person individually has. It just happens to be false or misleading information that's contained in it. And disinformation then is incorrect information put out there with the deliberate attempt to mislead. So somebody has put out information out there with the deliberate attempt to mislead. Obviously, that's far more dangerous in my point of view, because it shows that somebody has a real agenda to push people towards a certain outcome. And in mainstream media, I suppose, we see a little bit of both of those. Um, I suppose we've seen it all the way through this election. People will put out, you know, you have right wing and left wing in the States. Over here, we had a general election and obviously we've got right-leaning uh, parties and left-leaning parties and a single article come out and that'll be twisted in both ways by different people. And the point that I'm trying to get across is that as security professionals, we have to be better than that. Our job is not to be victims of misinformation or disinformation. As security professionals, we are meant to be professional risk assessors. We assess and manage risk on an ongoing basis. But in order to effectively assess and manage risk, 
Well, firstly, we have to know they're acting on good data. So we have to be quite discerning about the information or the data or the intelligence that we gather in order to manage those risks. So the start point is, well, what information are we judging when we're managing those risks? So are we looking at the, the first article we see, taking that as information? Uh, are we looking on Wikipedia for information? Are we believing things we read on social media for in, information? Uh, rule number one, I've said it since the start of my articles, you know, if you end up going to court over a decision you make and your defense in court is some bloke on the internet told me, or I read an article once that said, then you're going to be sorely left lacking for a defense, I'm afraid, you know? So we have to rise above it. And we have to bear in mind that every time a media outlet, it doesn't matter who that media outlet is, good or bad, releases an article or a publication or a video, it doesn't really matter. It's released with bias. Uh, and it's released with a purpose. Media, newspapers, magazines, uh, websites, it doesn't really matter. Write websites, write articles for the purpose of getting people to read them so that they will buy from them. Newspapers, you know, release articles so that people will buy the newspaper. You know, the news releases information so that people will watch it again next week and they can sell advertising revenue. So they are, they have to make it interesting. So if you look at a set of facts for a reporter on the news, their goal is to make that interesting. They have to put a slant on it to make it interesting. And they have to put a slant on it to make it interesting to the people who they believe watch their show. So they'll be catering their stories to their demographic. So if you're going to have widely left-leaning uh, publications, they are going to slant their publications, their articles, and their information to what they believe their audience wants to hear and wants to believe and will find interesting and will pay money for and right is the same thing and the centralist is the same thing. And if you want to go down to sort of public service broadcasting, you know, you can have the same thing. It's slants, they need to get funded by the government. So the likelihood of saying too much negative stuff about the government is, is pretty slim. So uh, in terms of that, we have to be aware of that when we're disseminating information. So when we're gaining information about things, we have to look for, well, okay, what is the, look at the source and think about, well, what is the bias of this source? What is it about this source that they are looking to achieve in their writing or in their videos or whatever the, the case might be. And we have to discern that before we go making judgments about whether something is facts or whether it is a uh, bias. And everything will have a bias. I'll have a bias when I'm writing these. I'm biased towards pro-security. I'm pro biased towards pro-safety, uh, things like that, you know. I will have my own biases when I read and write things. Everybody has it. It's about having the self-awareness and the conscientiousness to look past that and say, okay, I'm actually going to dig and see if we can get a balanced approach. So when I'm doing things like risk assessments, um, advances, um, security audits, and I'm looking up geographical information or demographical information, or I'm looking up local crime statistics for things, or I'm looking up history of incidents or accidents or newspaper clippings about a person or um, stuff like that, you have to look for with a balanced thing and look across the spectrum yes get facts and figures but as we always say with statistics you can make a statistic say absolutely anthem you know and getting past um your own bias about what those statistics might might say you know particularly in the security world and i've had numerous numerous um i suppose encounters with people over the over the years you know uh, i remember going into a, a retail outlet one time and met a guy who was working in loss prevention and he was wearing a um, stab-resistant vest. 
And I said to him, what is the idea of the stab resistant vest? And he said, well, in case somebody comes in with a knife, you know, retail security is a dangerous job. And I said, how do you figure that retail security is a dangerous job, such a dangerous job? And he said, well, I've read a good few articles about, you know, retail security guards that have gotten stabbed and, and stuff like that. And I said, well, have you ever read any articles about the retail security guys who didn't get stabbed? Do thousands and thousands of people go to work every single day? And he says, no, we know that happens, but there's a chance because people get stabbed. And I say, if you take it purely statistically and you're looking at an absolute risk-based, if you take an absolute risk-based approach, do you wear your stab vest home on the bus? No. Do you wear your stab vest on a night out on a Saturday night? No. Okay. And do you wear your stab vest when you are at home with your partner? And he said, no. I said, well, statistically, for a male who lives in the area you do, doing the job that you do, in the country you do, with your age demographic, you are much more likely to be killed on the way home, on a night out, or in your home by your partner than you are to be killed while doing retail security in your job. And he was amazed at this. So statistically, realistically, if you take an absolute risk-based approach, that is the case. But two or three articles about the negative, the risks, the dangers had sat in his head. And he failed to go and look beyond those two or three articles when assessing his level of risk. And that's what I'm talking about as security professionals. We can read one or two things. I actually came across, I believe it was um, Chuck Randolph on a conversation in close protection brought it up recently, uh, a very interesting platform called Safe Esteem. And for the life of me, the name of the person who runs it has gone from my head, uh, but I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. And you can put a very simple thing in, you put in your age, you put in your gender, you put in the place you live in, and it gives you a very quick ranking, very simple, very quick ranking of what's the likely risks that you're going to face today based on real statistics on crime and incidents and accidents that happen in that place that it works. You know, and it's very interesting to look at it because it's not the stuff that you think as you walk down the street. You know, you are statistically and realistically more at risk from different stuff than you than you think you are. You know, and that has come to the fore really in this pandemic where we absolutely have to have control measures in place. Uh, they absolutely have to be the right control measures. You know, but some people have gone over the top and some people have gone way below what they do because they have their own bias based on the articles that they're reading and the information that they're disseminating. So what I would say to a security profession is, look deeper than what it is you're reading. Look at the sources. And then one of the first things I do is I go and try and find an alternative view and see can I find an alternative view. And then look at a number of sources in the middle and see what the common consensus is. Look at academically researched papers, look at fact-checked websites, stuff like that. Subscribe to non-biased or uh, as less biased sites as you can get. Stay away from things like Twitter, Wikipedia, mainstream newspapers, particularly tabloids, uh, who will all write to sell things and will all write with their own agenda. One of the ones that was upsetting me very, very recently, um, I was following the, um, uh, the live stream of the Manchester uh, attack, the Manchester Arena attack. And somebody had sent me some articles from some of the tabloids, which I just refused to read, um, based on the testimony of a young security steward, steward in fact, and he was referred to as security all the way through, 18 years old, who had given some testimony and uh, had been taking a lot of it out of context, I believe, but uh, about how he failed to approach the guy because he was afraid of being accused of racism, et cetera, et cetera. So they take a couple of little splices. Now I actually listened to that guy's testimony and for a 19, 20 year old guy, 
you know, you could see he was terrified. He was racked with nerves. And some of the headlines in these articles that were sent to me that, like I said, I refused to read around things like security guard blunder, security guard causes, you know, this security guard's failure led to this. And you're looking at yourself going, the only person who was to blame for that attack is the person who carried out the attack. Were there failures? Yes. Were there things that could have been done? Yes. But nobody else is to blame apart from that person. And putting a story out there, uh, that security was to blame or the police were to blame only feeds a narrative that those people uh, are not doing the job. And people would say, is there flaws with how police responded? Absolutely. Is there flaws with how security responded? Absolutely. Is there flaws in the training that was given to security? Absolutely. But to tar every security person there as incompetent, to tar the company as incompetent and to tar the industry as incompetent and the same with the police, I believe it's just a failure of people to actually do their homework. And actually look at the narrative and look at how many arena events had taken place over the last 10 years without incident and nobody was saying anybody was rubbish then because if you look at the actual statistics is an extremely place safe place to go and if you look at the statistics of going to concerts in general in this country in the uk in the us they are extremely safe places to go and people point to things like mandalay bay and security failures and stuff like that and they'll say concerts are dangerous because security is rubbish hotels are dangerous because security missed this you know, statistically, you are extremely safe. You are much more likely to be killed on your way to or from a concert than you are at any concert. You know, but people don't look past the narrative. They feed into the misinformation designed to sell newspapers. Security failure, police failure, that sells newspapers. That's a bias written to sell newspapers because they know that their audience picks up those stories. They have an anti-police bias, they have an anti-security bias, and they'll pick up and buy a newspaper when they see that in it, or they'll click on a website that can get advertising. So my plea to the security industry is be better than that. You know, Look past the information you're being fed, particularly when it's being sponsored or when it's being subject to advertisement, and look into the facts. If I could say to you from a security point of view, some good ones that I've come across in the last while, which are kind of fact-based. I always look for ones that are written for a company's clients because, you know, they're written with a bias towards security, uh, but they are written on a factual basis because they know their clients are going to blow it out of the water if it's not. So some of the ones that, that I subscribe to on a, on a daily or weekly basis, Civiline, S-Y-B-I-L-L-I-N-E, um, is a risk management company based in the UK, an intelligence company. They do a fantastic COVID-19 update and general in world intelligence, security intelligence update on a regular basis. You can sign up for it, come straight into your email. Pinkerton in the US, does a fantastic daily briefing. You just sign up to it at the bottom and they send you a daily briefing on geopolitical risks, on operational risk for security, terrorism risk, cybersecurity risk, comes into your inbox every day. It doesn't cost you anything. And for the regular security guard, you're thinking I'm a security guard in a shop or shopping center, et cetera, et cetera. It just starts to take you up that level a little bit. Uh, a website that I use quite often is a, a website called Factal, uh, which comes together and uh, there's a paid version and there's a little bit of a free version. Free version, okay, paid version, very good. It basically takes together newspaper articles from all over the world, gets the general consensus, fact checks it, and gives you that story. You know, uh, if you've got money to, to play around with, uh, you can go on intelligence platforms like EchoSec or Data Miner. But for a start, just start looking at those ones. You know, and when you read a, a view, look for an opposing view. So that's me for this week. Going to be back next week for another one. Until then, this is Tony O'Brien, Security Operative Consultancy Services, signing off for another week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Security Operative Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and got some value. If you'd like to follow more of our activity, 
You can find us on any of our social channels at Security Operative Consultancy Services. See you next time.